Hello, welcome to Human Tech, a podcast about the intersection between humans and technology. My name is Guthrie. I'm here with Susan. Hello, Susan. Hey, Guthrie. How are you today? Uh, I'm doing well. I'm doing well. Uh, today's topic is about um, process architecture and some of the changes that are coming up and how that sort of interacts um, with specific UI. Process uh, architecture. Fancy term. <laughs> How process uh, architecture changes are going to intersect with user interface. Okay, you're going to have to explain what you mean by that. But go ahead. I'm ready. Yeah. Okay. Maybe. No, you got, we got this. Okay. So in some ways, this is a new problem. And in other ways, it's not new at all. And it's an ancient, ancient, ancient problem that has been around for a long for time. Thousands of years? Thousands of years. So um, some... People out there may or may not know, I'm really into computer hardware, um, less into computer software, but really into computer hardware. And I follow all of the trends and process nodes. So process node is the, is the, uh, the, the family of technology that uh, various companies use to create chips that uh, everything you know runs on. So this would be- We're getting uh, very nerdy here. Yeah, right. You have the Intel CPU, you have your NVIDIA, uh, graphics card. You have your AMD, you know, and you, you keep up on all that. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. So right now, um, the, you know, I've talked in the past about stagnation, uh, in Moore's law. Uh, I mentioned it a couple of years ago. I'm sure everyone remembers that. Um, but <laughs> no, they don't, <laughs> but yeah, so there was a stagnation. Um, uh, for those of you who do not know, um, Making uh, chips is a very difficult, very expensive, cutting, bleeding edge process. And there are just, uh, at least for the you know, cutting edge, there are not very many players in the space, hardly any in the entire world. So um, one of the reasons why you want bleeding edge nodes is that uh, the smaller you can make the little component chip, it means you can fit more of them in a single size. You can reduce the power that it uses. There are all sorts of benefits to having uh, smaller, a smaller node. Generally, the newer slash smaller the node, the more you can, the better your chips are relative to other designs on previous generations. Okay. Now. So there is, of course, an advantage of having the best node. And the company that probably does the best job of this is Apple. Uh, they don't own, they don't, they don't make any chips. They design their own chips, but they actually are not creating anything out of silicon. Um, but what they do have is they have incredible size and scale. And so when the new, uh, you know, node capacity becomes available, they are front of the line. They get to book their stuff before anyone else, and they're and and they get like eight months of just you know crushing it, and amazing performance. Um, the best example is often with their um, well, with all their chips, with their mobile chips, and with now their um, what's now M1, their uh, desktop um, custom designs. The custom designs are very good, but it's un it's unlocked because they're using new node tech that no one else has right now. 
and in a couple months or in a year, you know, it will, you know, the competitors will show Everybody up. Everybody so, will catch up. Okay. Yeah. So there really is a competitive advantage. Um, there was a period of stagnation and it was uh, in, in the space, it was sort of a running joke. Uh, there are only a couple uh, companies that actually make uh, chips um, beyond, there's some like weirdo ones in China or something. I'm going to skip those. But, uh, there is Intel, probably the biggest chip manufacturer in the world, and they make a bajillion gazillion chips. Um, chips you, don't, you wouldn't even imagine that they make. They make all kinds of stuff. We, of course, are familiar with the cutting edge, you know, CPUs that they use, but they make all kinds of stuff. <clears throat> and then there is uh, the, the second biggest player is TSMC, which is a Taiwanese company. And um, they potentially are over the last decade, they've established themselves as maybe the most with it, the best um, chip fab maker in the entire world. Um Everyone uses TSMC. <laughs> Everyone wants to get on TSMC. In, even Intel uses TSMC for their new graphics cards. Uh, their nodes are just really good right now. <clears throat> um, Apple uses them. NVIDIA uses them. Uh, it just every, AMD uses uh, them exclusively, I think, um, for their current generations. So that's TSMC. Samsung has uh, nodes. Um, they make uh, Samsung, Samsung, there's also a, a sort of a sister, um, a sister technology, which is the companies that make stuff for like RAM, like memory modules and stuff. That's a little different. Um, but yeah, Samsung has a node, uh, and it has the most recent node has not been great. <laughs> um, but they, they have their own fabs. So, you know, if you get a Samsung phone, the international versions are used made, you know, they, they make they have their own fab. Uh, and then there's global foundries. Um, they used to be a big player, but they were like, we can't compete. We're with TMSMC. We're just out. <laughs> so they're, you know, they I think they're still put, puttering around and they have, you know, um, older, bigger nodes because you need you still need the old nodes to do stuff like chips for, you know, cars or calculators or, um, you know, refrigerator. Yeah, you listen the older nodes. They're still useful. Um, but you know you don't need them on you know you don't need the cutting edge, and there and then there's other uh, smaller you know uh, Texas Instruments I think you, is still you are going to get to where this intersects with UX or UI right? Mm, yeah. Okay, just asking. So the last um, the there was a period of time where pro, pro, a lot of progress stalled. On and the whole they, chip front. The chip front. And it's because there are these certain, um, you know, so Moore's Law, right, which is... Well, so what is Moore's Law? I know we we talked about this a long time ago on one <laughs> yeah. of our podcasts, but let's review. Uh, Moore's Law, um, there was a, I believe it was Intel's founder, Mr. Moore. Seriously? Yeah. All right. Now we have to go look this up. And I'm sure I asked the same question when we first <laughs> talked about this. Or is it Robert Moore's Law? M-O-O-R-E. Okay. Gordon Moore. Gordon. Yes. Yes. Okay. Gordon Moore. Uh, While while working at Fairchild Semiconductor, supposedly, he then went on to co-found Intel. Intel. Yeah. So this this is like... This is in 1965. I don't think people realize how 
fundamental Intel is to like semiconductor manufacturing. Like they like, like they basically invented everything. So like everything, even so the only people who make CPUs are Intel and AMD. AMD used to be an Intel brand. Like the only reason it exists was because antitrust and Intel had to spin them off. So they had a competitor. So, um, we, so interestingly, everything we're doing on computers, we pretty much owe to G- Gordon Moore and nobody knows his name. It's amazing. So even That's like uh, uh, all the processors, there's the x86 processor, like process instructions, you know, yeah. that, that we use. And um, that's that's how all the computer code runs like in the entire world is on x86 processors. There's some really weird stuff in supercomputers, but basically it's all x80, the x86 instruction set. And it's called like, you know, x86 because of like the 8086, yeah, which was the Intel processor. No, I remember in, that. You know, I 70s and 80s. That. So it's like, right. that's, so, that's, that is like the, the, every single computer in the entire world, it's, it's like it's evolution tester was this Intel 8086 processor. Right, it's really so crazy. Influential. This is the, the, according to some website that I'm looking at, you can tell me if you think this is accurate, that Moore's law is a term used to refer to the observation made by Gordon Moore in 1965. A long time ago. That the number of transistors in a dense integrated circuit doubles about every two years. Do, is that what you know of as Moore's Law? Is, yeah, that, is that accurate? Yeah. The uh, um, uh, transistors has sort of fallen by the wayside. Well, um, that was the term in 1965. Yes, but you can just you can just say, you know, uh, elements. You know, I had a, I had a transistor radio. I remember when oh. transistor ra- does is that term used anymore? Does anyone do you know what a transistor radio is? Well, I do. Um, all radios probably still transistor radios. They're just called radios now. But they didn't used to be. Because they well, so they used to have vacuum tubes. Right. They right. used to have and transistor. Tubes. I mean, all computers used to have vacuum tubes before yeah, they invented right. the transistor. So you had to use a vacuum thing, tube. The big thing, what and these were coming out of Japan, and what when would this have been? Sometimes in the sixties. That now. Because when you had radio, I know I'm taking a digression. Please, uh-huh. you uh-huh. can, you can, just be patient or not. Um, radios used to have the vacuum tubes, which are big and heavy, which meant radios were big and heavy. So they would sit. They were a piece of furniture, and then it got to the point where they were maybe as big as a bread box, if anybody knows what that means. So, so for those, well, just, just quickly, for those of you who do not know, a vacuum tube is literally, that's like a light bulb because light bulbs actually, um, the old style incandescent light bulbs, yeah. they're a piece of glass. There's a vacuum inside, inside that glass right. and then there's a the filament. But and vacuum so a vacuum tubes, tube, yeah. it's a piece of glass that looks like a kind of like a bulb and there's a vacuum on the inside. And that was all kinds of stuff something. had vacuum tubes and radios had vacuum tubes yeah. and they're big. And so the radios were big and heavy. Like I said, initially they were a piece of furniture and then they got to a tabletop variety. And then instead of vacuum tubes, the Japanese, at least that was my understanding, 
came out with transistor radios, radios made with transistors rather than vacuum tubes, which meant you had radios that were like this big. And that was just amazing. You could bring, because I remember I lived in New Jersey at the time, and we used to go, I was a kid, and we used to go to the Jersey Shore, and all of a sudden now, everyone was playing the radio at the shore on their little transistor radios, and that was so cool that you could take a radio with you anywhere you went. That was like mind-boggling. Okay, yeah, that's sad. I'm really old. All right, now, where the heck were we? So you were talking about Moore's Law, and you were talking about stagnation. So Moore's Law has, you know, done a pretty good job. But sometimes there are these, um, I guess, sticky points. There are these cliffs where, in Moore's Law where things where get stuck. Things don't don't double, don't progress in a two-year cycle. It's, it's incredibly complicated. And the smaller you do everything, the more expensive and the more complicated it is. And that's right, why. So when was the last stagnation? So the last stagnation um, started around 2012. Okay, 2012. Um, and I remember because I built a computer at that time using yeah. uh, the Sandy Bridge, I believe a Sandy Bridge Intel processors, 2500K. Okay. Um, that, was the, that was the chip. And it was like a really awesome chip. And basically, um, there was a things were started to slow down about that time. Yeah. And um, a couple years later, there was like the, you know, 6,500K. Yeah. Okay. So that's what, four generations. So that's, you know, four or five years later. Yeah. Uh, Intel usually comes out with new chips kind of every year. So it doesn't, you, sometimes it's 18 months. Um, anyways, there was sort of a, a running joke because Intel, um, for the longest time, they had what's called the TikTok strategy. So the, the the way it worked is basically one generation, you focus on making uh, architecture improvements to the chip. So changing the way that everything's laid out and, okay, we're going to, here's a new design and that kind of thing. Yeah. And then the second iteration of that is you just take that design and you put it on a smaller node and you shrink it, okay. which means it's more power efficient okay. and you can run it faster and better. So right. so basically, so then you're alternating cycles. Right. Okay. So that was the tick tock, tick tock. And that's what they, you know, kind of that was the cadence for a really long time where you change the you change the chip and then you shrink it. And then you change the change the chip and then you shrink it. Yeah. Um, and they got stuck. In on, which cycle? The tick or the tock? on the on the shrinking and okay. so there was so there was 14 what do you animators mean they got they got stuck, they got stuck. okay they, so do you mean that that they they kept shrinking without the redesign or do you mean they couldn't shrink couldn't shrink okay so now, they had the design and they couldn't shrink yeah now it's a little more complicated because just because you kind of couldn't shrink there's still you can you can um perfect a certain node, you know, you can make yeah. things better, even right. if you don't even have new tech, but you, okay. you're, so, so it's not like the chips weren't getting better, but, but it that, wasn't but as it dramatic. Was kind of like the stagnation because they, they weren't changing. Right. Right. Okay. Um, and so just to give you, just to give you a sense of things. Okay. So in 19, in 1990, there was a, a node, a, a node shrink. Okay. okay. And there was one in 93. Okay. Uh, 
sorry. Actually, no, I, I'm gonna I'm gonna skip that. It doesn't matter. Um, so basically, uh, uh, right around that time, which time? 2012. That, uh, 2012 to 2014. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Um, they just, they 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 just like ran out. So then there was like, so it was the it was the 14 nanometer node. And then there was like 14 nanometer plus. Yeah. And then there was like nanometer plus plus. Yeah. So nothing was, was happening. Like 14 nanometer plus plus. plus. All right, it was so not like a running joke. Did this go on. <laughs> um, when did things get unstagnated? So. Yeah, I just want to make sure I'm doing it right here. Um, so I believe, yep, there was Ivy Bridge. That was, I mean, it wasn't just that node. It would, it was the kind of the ones before it, like the ones before it kind of were like slowing down and okay. then it just sort of hit a standstill. So as far as I can tell, um, yeah. So that's it wasn't Haswell. Yeah. It was it was it was it was basically Broadwell. So Broadwell was the 14 nanometer and that was 2014. Okay? Okay. So then there was Skylake which is also the um the 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 big one. So 2014. So then 2015 it was the same. And then it was Cabby Lake which is 2016. Also the same. And then it was Coffee Lake, which was also 14 nanometer, which was 27. So like they were just stuck. For several years. For several years. And they kind of start they were they, they kind of started to do some shrink and there were some benefits, but basically uh, for, for regular old computer chips. Um so did they, they ever start. get unstuck? They are now uh, unstuck, unstuck. Okay. and the the reason is because um, of a process called EUV, okay. um, which is uh, th there's there's uh, in order to make the to to carve the very small parts in these dies, um, you don't, there's not a physical device. You you use wavelengths of light to do wow. it. Wow! Yeah. Really? Yes. Um, and that's how small these things are. Wow. And so uh, EUV stands for extreme ultraviolet. Wow. And so basically, if you think about um, wavelength, right, you know that purple, red is like the bigger, the big, the long, bigger waves, long waves. And, and it's just because it's bigger, you have to, you can't make things as small. And so when you have like, Ultraviolet, it's, it's a much tiny, 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 tiny thing. So, so your your wavelengths are of light are smaller, and so you can make smaller components. Um, this is difficult to do, uh, and there there's basically one company on Earth that makes all of the the chips, the chips for lithography, and or all the machines that can do this kind of work. Yeah, and it just took a lot of years to for them, put them to to put it together. So, so we finally, back, we're back on a non well, now everyone has most of the fabs have tra transitioned to EUV and we're 
on the other side. Okay. And, you know, it's not like these guys have been doing nothing. Right, right. They've been, they've they been busy. But they haven't had a big switch. Well, they've life. been waiting, right? They've been, so, so now that now that they're through to the other side, um, now it's going to happen really quick. Okay. I'm going to press you. What yeah. does this have to do with UI and UX? So do you remember in like the late 90s, early 2000s? Yeah. When there were huge jumps in computing power. Yes, I do. And <clears throat> so, you know, suddenly, you know, you go from Windows, you know, 1 to Windows 95 to Windows well, XP. Yes, although I could, I could possibly back you up even earlier than that and talk about I, I, what I assume, but I'm just assuming that there were these tech and chip advances that allowed us to go to create what were then called personal computers, PCs, meaning, you know, because there was a time when a computer was a gigantic device that <laughs> was in a big room in a building all by itself. And then we... You know, what's what I think is funny is that we had mainframe computers, and then we had mini computers. We eventually got to mini computers. Mini computers would only take up a small room, you know. <laughs> I mean, mini did not mean mm. mini, but that's what, you know. Um, and then, then, then we got to PCs, personal computers, and that would have been in the mid to late 80s. And it was the first time that people could, regular people could use computers. So I remember that transition, which I assume is was also very much a chip and hardware transition. Yeah, I think that's that is going to be different because that's going to be paradigm yeah. shift. Yes. We, we're talking about a. It's not just like it's a different class of hardware. It's like we've gone from a horse to a combustion. Yeah. Engine. Okay. All right, but if you're talking about the late '90s and early 2000s, yeah, I remember because this is when we we. I mean, from a UI UX perspective, this is when we shifted, for instance, to graphical user interfaces in a big way. This is when we shifted to much, much different quality of monitors and visual right. processing. And that's and why I think like XP is maybe like the bigger shift, right? Because before yes. then... It was it was a graphical user interface, but it was flat. Yeah. It was two dimensional. There were no fancy animations, and no. all of a sudden you unlocked this performance, right. and, and there went, were things that popped right. up, and uh, there was you know there were all kinds of animations and programs, and everything yes. was you know HD, and yeah, it was, was it was a, just it was different. that was a big change, yeah. Because um, likely in the next four years. It is it is entirely possible that we will see a four X in computer processing power on regular so you think desktop what, machines. All right. So you think that the from side. the early two thousands to now, which is a long time, 
we have made incremental improvements in terms of the visual. 2010s, not the early 2000s, 20, 2010s. Okay, from the 2010s. Well, okay. I, But I'm going to argue with you here, okay? Mm-hmm. That's fine. You can argue. I'm going to argue with you that 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 the changes from a UI, UX, visual perspective were quite big in the early 2000s and that since then in terms of in terms of these visual aspects animation ui ux there have been changes and improvements all along but they weren't they haven't been sudden except 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 in mobile devices and that was a right that was a huge, you know, that's huge, right? We well, have, where's the bottleneck, right? And in mobile, you have tons of bottlenecks. Yeah. And that's what, that's, you know, to me, the, if you're talking, again, about UI, UX, visual animation, the huge changes in, in the, in like from, you know, 2008 and so on, we're, we're in mobile. But but you, what you're saying, and otherwise, I think it's kind of been my memory, and I could be wrong, is that it's been incremental. But what, regardless, you're saying that we are possibly on another edge here of a big change. And the question is if we are on the edge of a big change in terms of processing power, in terms of, you know, visual rendering, in terms of, um, uh, animation. What does what's the impact that that may have or could have on the UI slash user interface slash user experience of stuff? So, so let me ask you a question: yeah. Why don't our applications today look like Windows ninety five? Well, some of them do. <laughs> no, but. But like mo- modern, you know, modern cutting edge stuff. Well, okay. Why don't they? Some right? of it. It's like, it's like, it's like whatever horsepower you have. The horsepower. Like, we got to use it. Yes. Although some of it has to, to do with trends. It's like fashion. It's like clothing. It is. You know, like, oh, uh, the, the waistband of the pants is supposed to be, you know, halfway up your chest. No, it's not. It's supposed to be below your navel. Or um, the 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 width of the pants at the bottom by your feet is supposed to you know be really tight. No, it's supposed to be a big bell. I mean, well, let, you let know, me these let me give you an example. Pendulum shifts. Let me give you an example. Yeah. And so, if you rec- if you remember the Windows Vista days. Yes, I do. And people did not like Vista, and that was no, a problem Vista for different reasons. A, yeah. But the. One of the big things that Vista and then into Windows 7 did unlock was that um, in XP, it was three-dimensional and there were animations, but um, it didn't necessarily have a scheme for fancier animations. And what Vista and Windows 7 unlocked was transparency. So you could have like one window, like when you move it, you would it would like become transparent and you could sort of see yes. underneath it. And and so all sorts of programs and stuff started doing because you couldn't do that before because there wasn't yes. the computing power to calculate, you know, multiple visual things at the same time. And so all of a sudden these uh, fancy animations 
that before were not possible, it was possible. And so they did them, regardless of not if it was perhaps a good idea. Okay. Uh, now, all right. Now you did it. Now you pushed the buttons. Yeah. Uh, uh, now I'm going to lodge a complaint. Yeah, sure. I have a complaint. So my complaint is that what's been going on for the last, and I wish I could think, I, I don't know that I've thought this through enough to know how many, how long a time period we're talking about. <sighs> five years? Ten years? Probably more like five. And, may, and you know, it's so interesting that you brought this up, Guthrie, because I think there are these changes that happen that you don't, you are, I don't know, maybe just because we're so busy, I don't sit around and think about these things. But I think there are changes that happen that you don't realize what's been happening until someone asks you a question and you look back and you go, wait, wait, what's happening? All right, here's my complaint. My complaint is, what does UI mean? What what does it mean to design a user interface? What does it mean if when we talk about UX design and where has that gone? Where at where at, I think UI and UX is is wandering off into this this place that it didn't used to be. And I think some of us, like me, have not been paying attention. And then I think it's caused a big and very important gap. So based on what you're saying, I think all of these visuals and all of this animation and all this transparency things and everything else Traders, is going Sliders, videos that play in Windows. All of these things that are now available to do that we didn't used to be able to do, so nobody was doing them. They're all being done now. And for some reason, instead of, and honestly, anyone can call in or write in or interrupt us if you don't agree. I think instead of that whole field necessarily having its own specialty, it has taken over what the term user interface. And to me, old school me, to those of us who've been designing user interfaces for decades, that's not what a user interface is. But I think that if you talk, if you say, oh yeah, we got to design the user interface, I think now for a lot of people, they are referring to this. They're referring to visual design, they're referring to mm -hmm. animation, they're referring to all of that. And that's that's okay, I guess. But there's this piece of design work that now is getting lost that I think is, you know, of course I'm going to say this because I've been around for too long and I'm old school, but I think there's a part of what I thought was interface design, or maybe you want to call it UX design, that it's like a lost art. It's like nobody's doing it. So you know, you and I have talked a lot about the fact that 
UX research and user research has grown unbelievably. And, you know, a not insignificant part of our business now is finding good UX researchers to to help us with our projects we're doing for clients and clients want them as contractors and clients want them as permanent hires. It's like this growth thing. And now there's like this, you know, if you, if you talk about, oh, UX research versus UX design, what the heck is UX design? It, it's, I don't think it's clear anymore. I read an article recently which said it's dead, that UX design is dead, and that it's all turned into user interface design and, and visual design and animation design. But there's this middle, there's this piece, you know, in between all the research you do. And before you start creating screens and pages and whatever, there's this piece of design that I'm just going to call conceptual model design because I don't know what else to call it these days. That that is anybody doing it anymore? I don't think anybody's doing it anymore. And it's like the most important part of design. So my complaint is that with all of these new capabilities in the hardware that you've been describing, which leads to all these new capabilities in software, that everybody's getting focused on that and and we're, we're losing this critical piece of UX design. There you go. I've said my piece. Well, it hasn't. My point is it hasn't started yet. So, <laughs> no, no, no. It's already started. So you're telling me if I thought the, it was bad before. The first really gonna get bad. jump. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Uh, there's going to be like four big jumps, like one after the other after the other. Yeah. The first big jump is happening right now. A couple yeah. months ago, Intel's new CPUs, that was a big jump. And in okay. a couple months, AMD will have a big jump. And a couple months after that, um, both AMD and NVIDIA will have new graphics cards and Intel will have new graphics cards that are big jumps. So in the next 12 months will be the first big jump. And by big jump, we're talking, you know, like, you know, 80% increase in CPU performance, wow, 80% increase good. in graphics okay. performance for the price. All right. Like, so in the next 12 months, big jump. And then after that, another big jump and after that in a year another so like these big jumps are going to be coming that will again like almost every generation every you know two years doubling performance you know 18 months doubling performance so it's really it's going to you know a top of the line computer as of last year will have one fourth the performance of you know a regular computer a couple of years it's going to be really wild and there have been times in my life when that has happened i've lived through those you obviously have as well um but it hasn't happened in a while i think we just kind of forgot the oh my god they what you can you can do this on a device this small um all right so what do we all right so from a from a ux behavioral design perspective Right. There's suddenly going to be all this horsepower. So what are we, do, what are we going to, what, how should we and, and other people listening who are in this field, 
how should we think about this? How should we prepare for this? For this, what do we do? Any answers? Um, okay, now, Guthrie, you have frozen. So I don't even know if you can hear me all of a sudden. I guess I, the question I asked was so difficult that it overwhelmed. It's kind of funny that we're talking about changes in power and chip design and then his computer freezes. So I'm just going to keep talking and hope that he comes back. So I'm thinking, and I don't know if Guthrie's going to agree with me or not, that we need, you know, I hate to further segment things, but maybe we need to. Maybe we need to um, really get serious about, uh, uh, you know, it, it's it's interesting. Do we do we as UX people and you user interface people? Do we want to let more and more of this go and become not um, not UX infused and not part of UX? Um, do we say, okay, yeah, hi, Guthrie. I, I was just, I, yeah, I kept talking while you were gone. Um, so how do we prepare for this? Do we just let more and more of UX and UI things that we used to think of as being UX UI, do we let go of them? Let that let that become design. Let that become technical. F hope we can figure out a way to influence it, but just let there be specialties that are doing that stuff, and 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 that's not what we do, or. Do we hang on to it and say, no, 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 these things, these animations, these capabilities, these this motion you're building in, these visual changes, they are integral with what's called the user experience. We will not let it go. We're going to hang on to it. This is this is still part of what what it means to do UX. Uh, can you hear me? Yeah. I'm back. I know. Did you hear okay. what I just said? Yes, I was just making. I didn't want to. Yeah, I can hear you. Just, so, what, what do? How do we deal with this from Switched a UX? To my mobile hotspot. How do we do with this? Deal with this from a UX behavioral design point of view. If anyone can tell me why my internet goes bad <laughs> at like one p.m. <laughs> and that's the only time. We are. You are off topic. Well, I think there is a difference. I think it will depend on the application. Because there are some applications, you know, because the new stuff is coming now, right? So so if you look at applications that need to run on a wide range of computer hardware, they're still going to be limited by previous machines, you know? And and I don't think you'll see a whole lot of changes there. So you're talking about the new stuff. Yeah. So if you think of like a website for some healthcare company or something, right? You know, all sorts of people and all sorts of devices, including low-level ones, yeah, you know, yeah. will, ha will have to use it. And so yeah. that will remain conservative. But yeah, but on, if you're doing new product design. Well, that's exactly right. So if you're doing new stuff, if you're doing, you know, video game things, if you're doing, 
you know, well, stuff things, but if it's, you know, new and it's supposed to run on, you know, you or, want or maybe there's, or maybe it's like you detect the device and if it's a newer device, you use you the new the version. Newer. Yeah. 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 Um, Cause you want that. You want to be competitive. You want to be doing the newest. Think of how flashy things could be. Okay. But crazy all right. high textures, all resolution, right, all right, all right. snazzy you animations. Know, I know, but here you see, this is the analogy this is the, this is, you know, every time there is a big switch in, in especially visual capability. Right. Um, typically what happens is, it, uh, you know, everyone goes crazy and they do all this stuff. And then eventually somebody says, I don't know that this is very usable. And then, and then all of a sudden the human factors, usability, user experience part of it comes into play. That's you, at least that's in the history. But I, sometimes I get the feeling that, and, and so there's this time period where everyone is enamored with the new capability, regardless of whether it's useful or usable or not. But I also feel as we march into the future, that question about usefulness and usability becomes quaint and nobody wants to hear about it, um, and and it gets ignored. Uh, so, the, and that's why I think, you know, this question of is is UX design, you know, still viable or is it dead? Is is I don't know. I'm real. I'm very concerned. I'm very concerned about about this. So, like I said, you know, my question is. Do we let go of this and just let the technology and the possible design stuff just let let that group have it and see what they do? Uh, and then we're involved in the research phase and we're involved in the in the evaluation phase afterwards when it's a big mess and we can let everybody know it's a big mess, but nobody's going to change it. I don't know. I'm worried about this. I'm worried so, about this. I mean, I, you know, right now, not a lot of people use 4K monitors. Yeah. Um, they people. A lot of people use 4K televisions. But yeah. when it comes to monitors, you know, most people are on 1080p still or even 1440p. Yeah. And once you sort of hit that magical threshold, right, where, you know, 50% of people are on 4K monitors, right? It's like, all right, now we're going to design for 4K. Screen yeah. resolutions. Yeah, yeah. And yeah, that means that you can cram a lot more visual stuff because it'll be so much clearer, right? It's 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 the it's the same as if you took, you know, a normal monitor and just sort of stretched it, but it's the same clarity. So you could have all sorts of, you know, so I was just looking at an app right now, right? And they have room for a couple badges, a couple things, you know, a thing here, a thing there. Whereas, like, in the future, you know, maybe there are modules all over the place and it gets busier uh, and there's, you know, you can put a, t a lot more stuff because the textures are higher resolution and everything's cooking at, you know, 4K or something. So this, these are the, uh, you know, the busyness of all right, it. All right, all I, right. I, so I have, a, I have a question for you. So yeah. let's say you get a phone call from one of our clients. Mm -hmm. Well, you probably wouldn't get a phone call anymore. 
let's say you get a message from one of our clients Mm -hmm. and the question they have for you is what should we do about what should we do to prepare to be active in the ux ui of of this new technology what would you say i have no idea (laughs) well that's exactly how a consultant should answer i have no idea yeah i don't either i don't either but guthrie now you got me all worried you got me all worried about this uh, I yeah, don't. I, I don't know if you're. Yeah. I mean, I think the other problem is if you're if you're like if you're studying to be a UX designer right now. You know how do you how do you uh, prepare for this? How do you you know? Probably you can't. Probably you can't because it's not like you can you can learn how to design in this at the moment because it doesn't exist. Yeah. No, this is problematic. Thank you, Guthrie, for 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 complicating my life. I really appreciate it. But I'm going to think about this some more and uh, think about think about where where you know, what is the role of UX and all this. I am that's what I'm going to think about moving forward. All right. We have just about used up our time as we usually do. And um, Guthrie continues to have, unfortunately, technology challenges. So I'm going to uh, kind of see if I can take us take us out um, since he usually does that. And he's not here at the moment. So if you have questions or comments on uh, our work, uh, if you have suggestions for future podcast episodes, um, please contact us. You can reach us. uh, Best email to use is info at theteamw.com. And we love to hear from people. So go ahead and uh, let us know. And in case you don't know, um, we do these live streams uh, once a week, usually uh, at noon central time in the U.S. time zone. And uh, they stream live on LinkedIn and also on YouTube. And then uh, it's also available as an audio podcast at Human Tech as the name of the podcast. So that's what we have for you guys uh, today. And thank you so much for listening. Have a great rest of your day.